good morning. And uh, kids, if you would like to... Eventually, we'll see. Okay, I hope you can all hear me now. Um, huh? Can you hear me now? I know. So, no, I'm just joking. It's not 500. Just turn to First Peter chapter 4. If you do not have your Bible, or if you do not have one, there are some underneath the chairs. Um, you're more than welcome to use that. And if you would like, you are also more than welcome to take that home if you do not have a Bible. So, Michael asked me to preach, and he I said I would be more than happy to. Um, I'm not sure, though, if y'all are... Huh? No, we'll move it out of the way. But then again, I forgot to put my water there. So move it slowly. So um, I want to thank him for that. And we're just going to go ahead and jump right into this. Um, if you're following along again on verse four, chap- chapter 4, verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered. You see, he suffered in two different ways. He suffered both in his life but also in his death. You see, in his life, when he suffered, he was suffering because people were calling him all sorts of names. They were just... One thing that they were calling him was that that he had a devil, that he was possessed. He was being suffered because of the way he was living. He wasn't going to the people that the Pharisees thought he should go to. Jesus went to those that were the kind of the outcast. He was always being surrounded by those who... If you read in Matthew, sick, sinners, and outcast. Those are the main people that he went to. Because he said, those that need, don't need a doctor don't need me. But those that need a doctor need me. He was there for those that needed him. He was suffered. But in his death too, he suffered as well. He suffered horrible on the cross. When he had those nails driven through his hands and his feet. I mean, that is suffering. When he was beaten to almost an inch of his life with that cat of nine tails. That is suffering. But what's even more, when he was on the cross, he suffered because all of the wrath of God was poured out upon him. Our judgment for sin was poured out upon Christ. He suffered for each and every one of us more than we could ever imagine. He suffered unbearable. The reason I think all the earth turned dark during the cross is because God could not look upon His own Son because He was bearing our payment for sin. So at that time, all the sins of the world were poured out upon Christ. If you think about all the sins, there's horrible sins. It's not just lying and idolatry, but it's adultery. It's child molesters. It's murderers. It's all those vile things were poured out upon Him. Not just those that we think are acceptable sins, but those too that just kind of turn your stomach. He suffered immensely for us. He suffered in the flesh. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. You see, Jesus was our, is, our, is our substitute. He suffered in our place. But yet also too, Jesus is our example. We are to go out 
and be the hands and feet of Christ. We're to go out and live as Christ did. We're not supposed to go to this just the good people, those that are like us, those that we think are acceptable. But what about those that are on the fringes of society that need the Lord? Those that we may not want to walk across the street to to shake their hands. Those are the ones that in the time of the Bible days, they would be crying out to Jesus. And the disciples, in fact, there was one blind man that was crying out and crying out and crying out. And what did the disciples do? Hush. They tried to quiet him down. But he wouldn't stop. What about those in society that are doing the same thing right now? They're crying out for help. But we're telling them to hush. He shows us how to endure suffering and serve others with it. If it was easy to serve Christ, everybody in the world would be doing it. If it was easy to go across the street and talk to our neighbor, if it was easy to go down to the prison and talk to the men and women in there, if it was easy, it'd be done. If it was easy to go across continents to people that don't talk like us, act like us, walk like us. But yet, it's not. Has ceased from sin. It's kind of been more, it should, you know, it's almost a little translation. Has been made to cease. See, when we come to know Christ as our Savior, we don't stop sinning. Our substitute has been made, but we don't stop sinning. And if anybody has ever said, once I got saved, I stopped sinning, they're lying. So then they're just sinning. I wish I stopped sinning when I got saved. It would, ca- it would stop a lot of heartache, a lot of hardship, but we don't. We continue to sin. And thankfully, we have someone who is there to forgive us. It's hard to live the life for Christ. And he goes on, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. You see, sometimes it's so easy to live for ourselves. It's so easy to do what we want to do. But once we accept Christ our Savior, we can't do what we used to do. We can't be that same person. We can't go out and do the things that we once did. Because then how will we be separating ourselves from those that don't know Christ? We need to be different. But not weird different. Although some of us are weird. I'm not going to call any names out here, but me. (laughs) We can be different. We can't look just like the world. We can't do the same things that they do. My old life is dead. Actually, turn to Romans 6 with me. I want to show you this. Oops, I passed it up. Romans 6. Back just a few books. If you hit Acts, you've gone one too far. Romans 6. This is what Paul writes. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. You see, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we're... We die to that old self. We die to who we were. 
We die to that deadness that we had in our spirit. Christ makes us alive. He gives us that new life that we shouldn't, we shouldn't want to live like we used to want to, we did. There was too many nights when, even when I was saved, going back to, you know, I wish that I stopped sinning when I, was a, when I got saved, but I didn't. There was too many nights I remember putting my head in the toilet from the things I was doing. It wasn't fun. But you see, we can't as believers be living the same old life as everybody else. We can't be doing the things they do. And we're going to get into what the world does here in a minute. But for the will of God. You see, it's not about what I want anymore. It's not about what Matt wants to do. It's not about what I think I should, I should get to do. But I need to look at my life and say, is it in line with the will of God? Or am I just doing what I want to do because I want to do it? You see, what happens right now is the world is saying, just go and do what you want to do and whatever makes you happy is good. You only have one life to live. Get all that you can right now. We're being told to overindulge. Give in to what you wants. Give in to what you want. If it puts you in the poorhouse, just do it. If it makes you happy. But what happens so often that people don't see is the back end of that brokenness. Destroyed lives. Just a life that is now feels worthless. Because they were told it would make them feel happy. But once you go down that path of trying to please your flesh, you can never please it. There's always one more thing that it wants. There's always one more touch, one more feel, one more taste that it longs for. That it says it needs. And so what happens is we begin to feed it, it'll never get satisfied. Peter goes on to write about some of the things that we used to do. For the times that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. You see what happens so often is sometimes when hardship comes, we're tempted to go back into our old way of life. It's so easy to go back into what we used to know, what we used to do, because it was easy. We thought it was simple, sim- something simple to do. But what, if you think about what each of those sins is, they're all about yourself. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties. You see, sensuality is, what is it, or where do you lack restraint? We all have those things that we want to do. See, sensuality is where we lack restraint. Passion, what evil desires dominate you? And that's what happens, they begin to dominate you. Drunkenness, where are you prone to addiction? What are those things that you feel like you have to continually do over and over and have more of and more of? Orgies. What sexual sin entices you? And drinking parties. What social sins tempt you? 
Those are all things that the world is saying let's do. They're saying it's normal. It's normal to be those things. And when you're not those things, you get made fun of. When you take a stand, you become the outcast. You become the one that society says you're a little weird and we need to push you off. That's what happens. And you see, suffering must not be an occasion to worship false gods and idols and embrace sin. We have to be able to identify those idols. It's all, what sin comes down to is this, what pleases me? It's about me, me, and me. In fact, there's a great country song that says, I don't want to talk about you, I want to talk about me, talk about I, talk about number one. But that's what it is. That's what sin is about. It's about me. It means I don't care about who's around me, who my loved ones are. I want to do what makes me happy and puts a smile upon my face and just feeds me for a little while. Whether that's watching something I know I shouldn't watch, whether that's doing something I know I shouldn't do, going someplace I know I shouldn't go, that's what it is. You see, we've got to live for the will of God. When we begin to do that, we're not going to worry about these things. And so when people decide to sit there and say, in verse 4, with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. You see, debauchery was kind of a lack of, sin, of moving away from what is right. So they make fun of you. I've been made fun of a lot of times. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. Sometimes it does hurt my one feeling that I have. So I've got to brush it off and tape it back together with some duct tape and some super glue. You know, the good old redneck way. But you see, it sometimes... Huh? There we go. You see, sometimes it hurts. But we have to be who we are. We have to be the children of God that we are that we are, that we say we are. Because once we accept Christ as our Savior, we cannot be of the world because we, we aren't. We're now of God's kingdom. We're now in His family, in His fold, and should be doing what His will is. And I wish that I could stand up here and say that my whole life I've done nothing but serve the will of God. And I got saved at a young age. I got saved at seven. And I wish I could say from seven to now, that I was always doing what God has called me to do. But no. There's been more times in my life when I didn't do what the Lord has called me to do than when I did. It took a lot of hard living, a lot of dumb mistakes, and a lot of stupidity on my part to finally realize that way of life isn't what I wanted anymore. It's not a life that I ever want to go back to. But at the same time, I wish I could stand here right now and say, every day that I wake up right now, I'm always doing the will of God. There's times where it doesn't happen. There's times when I'm more worried about me than serving the Lord. Knowing my yard, neighbor across the street, I should stop and go talk with them. But I tell myself, no, I need to finish this yard work. I've got to finish this. This is more important right now. So I kept mowing the yard. Lost an opportunity because I was more worried about my stupid yard than my neighbor across the street. 
but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. It's not easy to realize that sometimes we are going to have to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. There is that judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat that we will stand before and give an account of our lives. Not for our sins, because those are once we accept Christ as our Savior, those sins are paid for, they're covered by the blood of Christ. But we will stand before the Lord and give an account for all the times that we should have served Him, could have met our neighbor, could have told somebody about the Lord, could have reached across the, hand, the aisle with a hand, and we didn't. You see, we don't know how many days we have to live. We don't know how many years we have to live. I mean, the Lord could come back tomorrow, or we could start our car, pull out of the driveway, turn down the road, and be hit by a semi. We don't know. Our days are numbered. I wish I knew how many days I had. Maybe not. I don't know. I was thinking about it. Because then I know that day's coming. But then I would know each day I get closer should be a day I grow closer to the Lord. Should be a day that I serve Him more. Because I only have those so few days left. If you think about it, if we live to 100, that's not a long time. A hundred is not a long time. Because by the time you get, you know, smart in your mid-thirties, and even then you're not that smart, but as you get older you begin to, to see the things that you've done and what were they for? You see, but for this is why the gospel is preached even to those who are dead, that through judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. I love the self-controlled and sober-minded. Because that's what we need. What happens so often is because we start our kids off young, unfortunately, in overindulging them. It's okay to say no to our kids. It's okay to tell them, no, you don't need that. No, that toy isn't, you don't need and it's okay. It's okay to say no. Because if we say no to our kids now, they're not going to think that everything they should get later on should just be handed over to them. Because then as adults, what do we think? We think things should just be handed to us. They become just, that should be mine just because I'm here. They don't understand the value of things. They don't understand self-control. They just think that they should just be able to get it and get it however they want it. If that means throwing a fit in the store when you want to take off your belt and show them who's boss. Not that I've ever done that yet. I will be self-controlled in the store for that. And sober-minded. What are the things that we think about all the time? What are the things that we go and our mind just begins to travel and wander off to? You see, if you think back to the story of the prodigal son... He did go to a far-off land. But before he ever went to that far-off land and actually traveled there on foot, his mind was already there. He had thought about it. He knew where he wanted to go. He knew how to get there. Where does our mind take us? What do we begin to think about as we're driving along to work, 
as we're sitting there in the quietness of our own home? Where does our mind take us? Is it taking us to things of the Lord? Or is it taking us to things of us? Things that we want. Things that I need. We need to be self-controlled and sober-minded. Above all, though, keep loving one another earnestly. That's not always easy. Because you see, when we suffer, we're tempted to retreat from others. You ever had that time where you just feel so down, you just want to go home, shut the door, and turn off the lights, and act like nobody's home? What Peter is saying here, though, above all, keep loving one another, is he's already presupposing that love is involved in the community of God's people. Sometimes Christians, we hurt each other, and we can be very mean and spiteful. We love to shoot our own wounded. But you see, we need to love each other. Have you ever seen one of those, an older couple, you know, late in life, they've been married 65, 75 years, and you can just see the love that radiates between the two of them? It's just amazing. You see, with love being an emotion, it's hard really to see it. And and could you imagine trying to explain to somebody that's never heard of love or seen what love is? How would you explain it? How would you say what love is? That's a hard word to describe. Because you, I mean, if you begin to think about your own love towards your spouse, man, when I, when I see my spouse, they just, just, my face lights up, my heart goes, Peter Patter, Peter Patter. When I see her smile, it's like, oh. How would you describe love? If you were to see it, how would you describe it? But see, that's what those that are in the world right now need to see is love. All they see a lot of right now is lust. They need to see love. One great way to define love is just being there like Christ is. You see, if we're not willing to forgive our other brothers and sisters in Christ for maybe the way they've hurt us, we may need to check our own heart. Because we're not perfect. We're far from perfect. But if we're not willing to forgive a brother or sister in Christ, how are we going to then go and reach to somebody that is even worse? That's in deep sin. That'll cuss you out the first time they see you. That'll throw rocks at you or whatever else they may do. They have to see that love. And it's earnestly. It's deep. It's strong. It's being there whenever and whatever it takes. Because since love covers a multitude of sins. See, our love is what should show the fact that we are a community, one body, one group. If we're all going our own different ways, doing our own different things, they're going to be like, that's no different than any other place. But as Christians, we have to be united. Because it goes on to say, show hospitality one to another without grumbling. It's easy to grumble. But you see what happens though, if we're loving one another, if we're there for one another, one person's weakness could be somebody else's strength. One person's 
Strength is another person's weakness. You see, when we are out there and we're as one, we're one community, one unit, one team, one body, the possibilities are endless. We can do so much and God would bless our efforts as a group more than you could even imagine. But we have to be together. We have to be willing to do the things that we never thought we could do. We have to be willing to forgive those that maybe have hurt us in the past. We have to be willing to go and reach and meet people that we never thought we'd go and reach and meet. Because you see, we've all received a gift. Use it to serve one another. I'm going back up to hospitality. Some of us aren't that hospitable. Some of us are introverts. We don't like people coming over and it's hard for us to go over to people's houses. It's hard for us to go and reach across the street. We may just need to do that as the train of cuteness walks by. <laughs> I'm surprised no one said, Hey, Mom! Hi, Dad! We have to be hospitable. But see, more than just with each other. We need to do it with our neighbor. We need to be able to go over with a meal, paint a room, mow a yard, pull stinking weeds. Not only that, what about our family? We have our family and, and friends that we are so dear to us that aren't saved that we just love and we need to be hospitable to him. Maybe that friend that tells you the same story over and over and over and over and over again and you're just like, oh, goodness gracious, not again, the same story. But maybe just listening one more time. Or that crazy family member that just drives you nuts. Just suffer through one more meal. I got a family member, she drives me absolutely bonkers. I'm not going there because my wife is sitting in here. <laughs> but it's just like, if I had any hair left. But we've got to be hospitable. We have to show the love of Christ because otherwise, are we any different than anybody else? Are we treating them any different than their other neighbor that makes no effort? We've all been given gifts. We've all been given some type of ability to help in the body. You see here, Peter talks about, he says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. See, everyone is a steward, including those who are suffering, and God equips stewards in two general ways. The words and the works. And the words could be counseling, could be leading, teaching, preaching, singing, writing, and encouraging. They're all, those are all ways that God has given us. Some of us are, are great advice givers. I am not one of them. 
I don't give great advice because sometimes I'm too blunt. <laughs> I just say it like it is. I don't sugarcoat it and, and kind of tender to the emotions. I'm a guy. We're not that way. We're not designed that way. Some guys are, though. They give great emotional support. I will try to work on that. <laughs> some of us do great in leading. You know, I mean, think about some of the great leaders of the world. Churchill. He led that country in a terrible time. MacArthur. Leading the troops. I mean, man, I mean just Patton. Those were leaders. When we look in the church, who are our leaders? Are we willing to run with a squirt gun towards the devil? Because of those leaders. Some have been given the ability to preach. Preach the word of God. To be able to describe it. Some can sing. We had a great singer in Stephen today. He did a great job. I can't sing worth a lick. I sing bass. I sing low. So low that you try not to let you hear me. <laughs> some can write. There's some amazing men and women of God that have written great hymns, great songs, great poems, great works of God. I love reading some of the old writings. You know, I read some of the old works and it's just amazing the, the words that they were given. And I think of some of the old hymns that were written. I mean, just beautiful. They're like poems. And then encouraging. Some of us can encourage with our words. We can say, you can do it. You can do it. One more. One more handshake. One more one more invitation. One more, please come to church with me. One more, one more. One more encouragement. Then there's those of us that can work. There's those of us that can do physical labor. I can dig a ditch, but I'm not so good at construction. And I'll be honest. Some men are great at doing stuff around the house or working on cars for people or, or doing something like that. Thank God for each of you guys. Because some of us can't do that. I can swing a hammer, but... <laughs> I can do some things, but not much. Like I said, I'm a much better ditch digger than anything else. I can be an encourager. There's those that have been given the ability in financial giving. God has given us jobs that we're able to support the ministry. And there's those that through their works, they can be very hospitable. They open up their home day after day to people, week after week, month after month. <laughs> but lastly though, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. You see, if you try to do it in your own strength, you will get weary. You'll become tired. You'll become just faint. And you'll want to just stay in bed all day. 
But you see, if we begin to pray and ask the Lord, please, Lord God, give me the strength that I need. Give me the help that I need. Just give me the one more step. If we go out in the Lord's strength, it's amazing what we can do. If we give up of ourselves, if we forget going in our own strength, because our own strength will carry us only so far, but eventually it comes to the point where we're just wore out, tired, and done. And we're ready to throw up the flag. But when we go out in the Lord's strength, He's going to give us that one more mile, that one more step, that one more smile that can make a difference. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. You see, everyone everywhere is worshiping at every moment, becoming more and more like a false god or more and more like the true God. Today's a day that we have to make a decision. We all say we're busy. We all say we don't have time. What are we going to do today to begin to serve the Lord in His will and in His power and in His strength? What are we willing to give up? If you say, I don't have time, sometimes I say, I don't have time, but then I look at it. I've got time for sports. I've got time for TV. I've got time for this. I've got time for that. How dare I say I don't have time for the Lord? What are we willing to give up? What are, you willing, what are you willing to stop doing today? In everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory. What will you begin to do today to bring Him honor and glory? Because in the end, it's not about you and I. In the end, it's about those that we're able to to take His Word to through His power and His strength. Think of those people in your lives that need the Lord. How are you going to reach them? That's what Peter's asking. How are you going to reach them? How are you going to glorify the Lord to reach them? Today, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, this is a day that you've given us. A day in which we can never get back. Tomorrow's gone. Today's fleeting away. What will we do today to honor you, to reach our community? What will we be willing to give up to serve you? Lord, I pray during this time, May we search our hearts. May we cry out to you for forgiveness if there's been anything of ourself that is hindering your work. Lord, I pray that you would touch each of our hearts right now. Open up our hearts to see what you see. Lord, help us to glorify you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now Stephen comes and leads in singing.
Let's take a time to think of just what are we going to do today with what we have left of it? Every hour I need 
loving us enough to die on the cross for us. Lord, may we never 